listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. To all of you joining us online, we're honored to have you worship with us this Sunday morning. Uh, it's a beautiful day, beautiful service. Great to see all of you. And so uh, I want to I want to say first of all, just give a shout out to our team. Uh, you saw some of what First Kids were doing, and I've never been prouder to work with a team uh, uh, for our kids' ministry than I am right now. Um, and if you get a chance, stick your head over there and see their space. It's only going to get better if the Lord will help us. Also, um, you heard about the prayer drive-through yesterday. We'll talk more about that next week. And uh, there will be more, so there will be an opportunity for all of you to be involved. And uh, all of you who want to be involved, to be involved. Um, and so also I got the sweetest card this morning from the kitchen, the kitchen team, First Church kitchen team. Don, stand up and hold one of those things up. Uh, they brought us, I think that is like an edible dessert type thing. No particular reason. They just did that for us. I, I want to say thank you so much. It is my privilege to work uh, with wonderful people like this. I, I don't, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. But uh, good news is, neither are you. So uh, we're, we're 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 good for that. Uh, starting not this coming Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night, we're starting a Bible series together that we're going to study on Wednesday nights in our during the week Bible study that we have uh, online. Uh, it is, we're going to be going through a book that was written by Brother Gray uh, that recently was kind of saved and brought back to life. And it's entitled The Banner Above, How Israel's Flag Reveals God. Um, if you will go to our church uh, channel, you'll see the link uh, where you can purchase this on Amazon. It's like five bucks. We priced it as low as they would let us. Um, and so I want you to be aware of that because we're going to work through that book. And the first week we're going to cover the first chapter or second, two, first two or three chapters. Uh, but I want to show you how God builds a people. That's what we are doing it. And I want to show you the miracle that is literally on the flag and flies above the Holy Land as a testament, a testimony that is a fulfillment of prophecy. I'm going to show that to you. Um, but all right, let's let's focus, get focused here. I'm going to try to take you through this Bible study, and we've already had a tremendous move of God. He has uh, the right at any moment to come in, and we, we don't have to do the altar at the end of the service. We can do it at the beginning of the service. We can do it in the middle of the service. No problem with that. Um, I want to tell you a story from Numbers 13. My title is this, You Need the Bigger Picture. So uh, elbow a person sitting nearby or turn towards somebody nearby, point your finger at them like your grandma did to you and say, you need the bigger picture. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this together. Uh, this story in Numbers chapter number 13 is when the children of Israel send spies into the land to prepare to take back the land that God had given them. Remember, the giving of the land is much earlier, some five centuries before this, when Abraham possesses the land, walks the length, the height, the breadth of it, and claims everywhere that he sets his foot. Uh, then, through much trouble and famine, 
uh, oppression and slavery, they end up held in Egypt and forced to build the, the empire of the Egyptians as, as slaves. They finally are freed. You can read that story in the book of the Exodus, and it continues as they move through their desert experience. Uh, all of us have desert experiences in our life. Can I have an amen? Uh, you have to keep walking. <laughs> Don't stop in your desert. Somebody needs to claim that here today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Don't stop in your desert. But deserts, dry places, are places of spiritual becoming. They are places where we learn who we are in God. There are lessons that are learned in trouble that are never learned in blessing. And so don't begrudge the Lord the testing, even the trials in your life. Because it is in that process that what was once just the materials of the earth get turned into pure gold by the refining fire of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as they come into this land, they need intelligence of a military nature. They are going to act as a nation. Why? They are a nation. Old Testament stories are oftentimes insights into a people at a time, and we read the story as it is, not as we might would tell it. In fact, one of the great evidences of the authenticity of the Bible is the fact that it is not arranged in the way where there is no troubling story or conflicting circumstance to show you honest men and women are doing their best to tell the story as they remembered it. Um, all witnesses see things slightly different. This isn't just my theory. This can be shown. If you've ever uh, taken any classes in criminology, uh, you probably have learned that witnesses will remember the same scene differently. Uh, a lot of defense trials are based on the fact of getting eyewitnesses on the stand and then pointing out how one of them thought this and one of them thought that. Uh, it is very much um, a memory thing. And I had someone come up to me and said, the Bible says this happened here, and over here it says this happened here. What, how can the Bible be true uh, if, it is, if, if there are two different stories? And I said, well, let me ask you a different question. If they were making it up, do you think they could make it agree? If you're making it up, it's easy to make it agree because you're just making it up. We're going to call you Sam and you're Sally. I don't want to be Sally. Doesn't matter. You're in the story. If you're just making it up, you can. But if you're authentically trying to remember and get it right and you don't care whether or not somebody else disagrees with you, you can see the good heart and the authentic effort that they are making to get the story right. So when we read these stories in the Old Testament, one of the things you see is that this nation of people, um, they are making decisions as a nation. Uh, we call it geopolitics, and that is how one nation works with another nation, competes with another nation, uh, wars with another nation, trades with another nation. These are all geopolitics. Now, it's possible for you to read stories in the Old Testament that reveal the geopolitics politics of the time, the manner in which punishment and capital punishment happened in the time, the manner in which one nation fought, dispossessed, uh, raided another nation at that time, and you can say, oh, this, this, is the, this shows that the Bible isn't ethical. Uh, I want to push back against that accusation and say you're not being fair to the text. 
Um, if you are going to look at every time there is geopolitics involved and say, this shows the ethical heart of God, uh, you're not going to be fair to the text. Um, this very much is a story of peoples and nations, and as believers, we want to learn from the examples, but we do not want to think that the way for the church to go forward is to run across the street to the Catholic church and take over their building and run them all out. <laughs> That's not what's going on here. That's the geopolitics of the story. It's not insight into the ethical heart of God. There's only one character in the Bible that you read about who was perfect, and that was Jesus Christ himself. Every other character in the Bible was a sinner saved by grace. Can I have a big amen? Amen. So here's the story. The house of Israel going back to the land of promise. They send a group of spies. And again, all this is number 17. I have it in your notes if you choose to download them. Um, They send spies to this land. And when the spies go, they are seeking out the land to understand it. Moses gave them this instruction, verse 17. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of crops, you see. Uh, It happened to be the time for the harvesting of the first ripe grape. So what happens? Well, the spies go into the land and they walk it and they look at it for 40 days. 40 in the Bible is often a sign of a passage, a a time of a change where transition is going to happen. 40 days they seek in the land. Then they come back and they give the report. Verse 27. This is their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Remember, they brought back samples. But the people living there are powerful. But the people living there are powerful. I gave you a good report, but let me tell you the rest of the story, as Mr. Harvey used to say. Uh, The people living there are powerful. Uh, And the question becomes, can we possess the promise that God has directed us toward? Now, there are two men in this party. One of them's name is Caleb. One of them's name is Joshua. They give a, a good report. And what is their report? They say this, verse 30, we can certainly conquer it. We can certainly conquer it. Verse 31, but the other men who had explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Verse 32, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Now, it does not say they lied. I hope all of you can receive this today. It doesn't say they told a mistruth. It doesn't say they made any mistake of credibility, but it does say they gave a bad report. Think about that. They told the truth as they saw it, and the Bible says they gave a bad report. I want to say as a spiritual challenge to all of us, myself included, There is a risk that I will speak truth as I see it, 
but I've left no room in my truth for what God has said he will do. Just because I'm speaking the truth doesn't mean I'm saying something I ought to be saying. It might be that my perception is based upon fear. It might be that my perception is based upon insecurity. It might be that God has said something different than I have said. And I want to know this for me and for all of you. Before I speak, I need to ask myself, has God said anything on this subject? Because if God has something to say, by all means, somebody needs to not say their report and they need to say, what has God said? Come on, somebody. What has God said about your problem? I have any church folks here today? What has God said about your dilemma? I know what you think about it. You're tired. You're sick of fighting with it. You're sick of struggling with it. But has God said anything about your trouble? And if he has, what is God's report? Now, let me tell you the truth about all of us. Uh, we, 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 we do more than see things as they are. We see things as we are. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem right there. Uh, we don't just see things as they are. Somebody say, hmm. We see them as we are. Somebody say, oh, me. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, there was an advertisement that was put together by a TV channel a few years back. I actually found this story on a sermon research site that I subscribe to, so I don't say the same things every week, and y'all get to rolling your eyes at me any more than you already roll your eyes at me. And on this, I read this illustration on there. I thought it was so good. I went online. I tried to find. I Googled it. I searched on YouTube. I tried to find this ad. I could not find it, but it's so good, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I hoped if I find it, I could show it, but I couldn't find it, so I'm going to tell it to you. Uh, this TV station made this ad, and the ad went like this. Uh, there is a woman sitting in a car. She is minding her own business. Uh, and then out of nowhere, a man comes running toward her. He rips the door of the car open, and he grabs her and begins trying to pull her out of the car. She doesn't know what's happening. She thinks the same thing anybody thinks. She begins to fight him. She begins to scratch him. She begins to try to hit him. But he resists all of her striking, and he's, he's trying to grab her. And finally, she will, not, she will not be let out of the car, so he grabs her in spite of her fighting in spite of her kick to kicking, he picks her up and he carries her out of the car away from the frame. A normal person would see this and they would be shocked because it looks like they have just witnessed an abduction. And then very slowly, the camera angle begins to draw back. And what you see, in spite of what you thought you saw, what you see is that the car this woman, woman is sitting in is actually on fire. It's burning behind her by the gas tank. And she does not know it because the fire's behind her. And when the man opens the door to try to pull her out, she's so terrified she doesn't hear anything that he is saying. And he, she begins to fight him. And he has to pick her up and carry her out of the car before the car explodes. And as the camera shows the burning car, the ad finishes by scrolling across the bottom of the screen. You need the bigger picture. Channel 10 News gives you the bigger picture. Um, Sometimes what we see is directly related to what's going on inside us. We're not 
accurate in our assessment of the struggles in our life. We feel like failures over things that aren't even close to a failure. And if we could back away for a moment, we could see it and think about it. Do not quote this to me later, Charla. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. If we could be level-headed about it, we wouldn't see it as a failure. But in that moment, we don't see it as it is. We see it as we are. We need the bigger picture. Two people can look at the same thing. One person sees something quite different from the other. Caleb and Joshua, they see a land that's much better than anything they have seen for a long time. Now, the Holy Land is, is, is not, you know, the black soil of North Dakota. It's not the grain fields of the Ukraine. Uh, it's not the, the bread bowl of the San Joaquin Valley in California that could feed the world th- theoretically. It's more of an arid climate. But if you have spent many years walking, living, trying to farm in a desert, the Holy Land seems like paradise. You're like, my God, I'll take it. It's like when you were young, you thought you would have a yacht, and now you take a new car. You're like, my God, I'll take a new car. <laughs> I, thought I'd be in the, I thought I'd have a private jet, but now if I just could get a new house, I'd be good with me. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? They see this land. It is everything they wanted it to be. It's better than they expected. There's a problem, though. God's not going to give you a place of blessing without you becoming the person who fits in a place of blessing. Most of us pray for our lives to be delivered. We pray for God to fight our battles. God seeks to grow us into the kind of people who can manifest his power and his heart. God will do for you in the beginning what you cannot do for yourself. But his goal is not to leave you helpless. You should begin to grow in your confidence. You should begin to grow in your faith. There was a day you didn't know how to pray, but now you ought to be praying for somebody. I wish I had a better amen than that in this house. There was a day you didn't know how to tell the doubt in you to hush. That's enough already. It's time to be a believer. But now some of you have been doing it long enough. You need to be a voice of confidence among believers telling other people. I know that's how doubt sees it. But can you see it how God sees it? Now it's not enough for you to stand back and you watch me do it. Now I am developing you into who I always intended you to be. All I need you to do is stand up and believe what I have said you're capable of doing. I'm preaching to some folks here today. I wish you would hear me and receive it. To 10 of the men, they see the giant problem. And they're not the only ones with a giant problem. Some of us have giant problems. Yeah? How many, what, what, what keeps you up at night? Everybody has something. I woke up this, I woke up one morning this week and I was so mad. I'd only slept about three hours. I woke up and I was laying there in bed and y'all probably don't do this, but I get mad when I can't sleep. I want to sleep so bad. I know it's the will of God for my life at this time, but that devil won't let me sleep and I always blame the devil. That's right. And might as well. He's, if he didn't do that, he did something else. That's right. That's like I accused my mom of beat me one time and I hadn't done nothing wrong. She said, that's the time. If that's for the time I didn't catch it. I figured (laughs) it's a good mama right there. Uh, Anyway, that's why I have ticks, you know. (laughs) 
my coping, my coping mechanism. Anyway, so, um, so what was I preaching about? I don't even know. I got, I got distracted about all this stuff. I blame y'all for that. That's not even my fault right there. And so, <laughs> and uh, seriously, what was I preaching about? I totally forgot. Oh, a giant problem. My God, somebody give that. Oh, that, we ain't giving Adam credit for nothing. My God, you should know by now Adam gets no credit. So, all right, he's too good looking, and he's already vain. So what you going to do with that? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Love you, dude. Um, anyway, so <laughs> uh, you see this, this giant problem, and you're, they're so impressed with giants. So God said they could, and they look at the giants, and they decide not so much already. I don't think that I can do that. All of us get intimidated with things. And I want to point out to all of you here that these spies were all responsible respected individuals. Uh, they were not just whoever could go. Uh, they were chosen as leaders. They were honest men. You don't become a leader of people you live with by being a liar. Now, you can fool some suckers for a little while, but if you live around them, they will see through you, and unless they're your mama... <laughs> Your mama, she'll put up with your ignorance forever. That's what mamas do. I mean, not my mama, but most of y'all's mamas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They have lived with these people. They know these people. And they said, if we're going to send someone to represent me, I choose him. I trust him. You don't con people into that kind of trust. These are good men. And they, they have the confidence of the people. There's this problem. They see giants not as the giants are. They see the giants as they in their fear, in their frailty, in their weakness as they are. They're all respected. They do not have an honesty problem. They all are telling the truth as they see it. And yet they give an evil report. They give a bad report. How can this be? Here's the reality. The difference is not in what they are seeing. The difference is not in their eyes. The difference is what is going on behind their eyes. They are not seeing the giants as they are. They're seeing the giants in their fear and in their security. And when they see the giants... The giants impress them more than their God. And this is the fundamental problem of people of faith. We have giants, and we let ourselves become entirely too impressed with our giants. I want to just say a few things here, first of all. I mentioned this in the first service. It's not in my notes, but I think it's helpful. Your giants, the giants in your life, their real skill may be an intimidation not an actual oppression. You know, giants, uh, in a one-on-one -on -one battle, I guess being a giant is a big advantage. But in a, a, a battle-type army scenario, uh, it's not that big of an advantage because you're not fighting alone, do you see? Um, if you like to watch nature stuff, uh, go to the Nature Channel on, on uh, so go to Netflix, go to, um, not Net, well, I guess Netflix, but you could go to YouTube, uh, search uh, battle between hyenas and lions, and you will find out something very quickly. Lions don't always have an advantage. Right. Now, you would think they do because they're a lot bigger, but when the numbers are involved, uh, you can actually see sh uh, videos on lions when the lions lose. You can see then the lions are killed. You can see when the lions are eaten. I just want to say this using the natural world. They did not need to be as intimidated of the giants as they were. It was, 
let me make it spiritual. I don't need to be as intimidated by some of the fearful things in my life as I let myself. The real genius of some of our spiritual enemies is the intimidation factor, not in having any real spiritual authority over anybody. That's a word for somebody here today. I wish somebody would claim it in this house right now in Jesus' name. Jacob, excuse me, uh, Caleb and Joshua, they try to encourage the people to call upon uh, or trust in the name of the Lord. Uh, But the people are caught up in the story of fear. Fear spreads faster than faith. I hate to say that. I wish it weren't so, but let me tell you how I know that. Fear requires no work. That's why you need to catch yourself when you speak fear. Because a fear will make laps around the church before faith makes it to the prayer room. It requires no work to be afraid. But if you choose to be a believer, it's going to take some discipline in your heart. It's going to take some time where you say, let me remind myself of the battles we've already won. Let me remind myself that there was a day I was lost in sin and Jesus changed everything in my life. Let me remind myself that I am not alone, but God is with me. Come on now. Let me remind myself this is not the first battle I have ever been forced to fight. Let me remind myself that there is a name that's above every name. There is a name so sweet. There is a name that's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Also, faith is a choice and fear is an emotion. Amen. Y'all hear that? Faith is a choice. You have to choose it. You don't choose fear. You just let your emotions go. And emotions, emotions will take you faster to places that you're not even sure you belong in. Because emotion picked you up like a, like a rushing river and carried you far from where you went in. And you guys know this at least as well as I do. Notice this emotion of this language of emotion. These doubters say, all the people were huge. Now that's not true, and that's not the whole story. How did the story start? Great land, wonderful place, but some of them are giants. You let emotion take your way, uh, carry you away pretty soon. Uh, It's not some of them that are giants, but it is all of them are giants. It started out, one person in the church didn't like you, and now it's everybody hates me. It started out, I'm a little bit tight for money this month, but it flows into, I've never had a chance to get ahead. You weren't saying that when you went to Orlando last year and spent half your month's income, but now you are. What? Your emotion is carrying you along. What's the truth? You had a tight month. What's the emotion? I've never had a chance. Do you see? Emotion carries you, rushes you. Listen to their language. All the people we saw were huge. That's impossible. Giants don't have full-size children. (laughs) They don't. You know, a big person, you see the little kid, they're just a cute little sucker. They're like, they're not a giant. 
Come on, your emotions take it away from you. Do not quote this to me later. It's not available for you to quote to me later. Um, so I, I want you to, to, to see this. They then say this. Now, they're about to use imagery. Now, um, imagery is very powerful communication because what it lets you do is it lets you create an image for something you don't have words for. That's what imagery does. Uh, and so here comes the Im imagery right here. Um, <laughs> next to them, uh, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Oh, so now you know what they think. <laughs> it started out, some of them are giants. And then it turned into all of them are giants. And then it turned into we are like grasshoppers. And then it turned into uh, they know we're grasshoppers uh, and we're mind readers. No, you're having a fear cascade. <laughs> How many of you have ever lived through a fear cascade? <laughs> I know, right? Enough about last week. <laughs> I, I want you to see how this happens. And so once this happens, the battle is lost because the people have a fear cascade. And the sad thing about this is they're not going to possess the promised land. They're going to spend a year, uh, a generation in exile while God raises up another group of believers who are able to stand upon God's word more than their own fear. Now, I, I don't want to speak harshly of them. I think all of us have this challenge in our life. All of us struggle to get this right, and all of us wrestle with overcoming fear, facing giants. Can I have a little amen? Thank you very much. Uh, I know you don't want to agree much with that, but all, all, of, us, all of us have that. And so uh, imagine we could have an intervention with these people. And I'm almost done. Music musicians can come. Imagine that we could have an intervention with these people. How many of you have ever had an intervention? Nobody raised their hand on that. Nobody's proud of intervention, interventions. I've had one intervention by uh, someone trying to help me. They meant well. God bless them. Uh, I ignored everything they had to say. <laughs> That's not true. I only ignored a few things they had to say. <laughs> but I, I want you to see, if we could have an intervention. An intervention is when someone sees you hurting yourself, making a decision that you are, you're really hurting you, and I, I, I am on your side. And so since you're not taking your side, let me take your side. What if we could have an intervention with people in the fear cascade? Um, I would say this to them. I wrote down, as I was praying about this this week and thinking through it, I wrote down four questions that if I could sit down with people like this and have them ask four questions, I don't want to give them any answers because uh, people in fear will almost never take an answer from someone else. I don't know why that is, but the more trapped you are in fear, you have to discover the answer within or everybody's wasting their time. So I have given four questions that would I think if a sincere person would ask, it would arrest the fear cascade and help them see the bigger picture. And it would be this. I know, number one, I know you're afraid of these giants. I know you're afraid that they're stronger than you. But I want to ask you this. Has God said anything on the subject of whether or not you can take this promise? Come on now. So to all you lovely souls, let me ask you today, in your fear and in your worry, as you face the giants in your life, has God given you any insight? Amen. And if God has said anything about it, would you consider stopping what you stop saying, what you think about it, and start saying what God 
says about it? Question number two. Has God already told you everything you need to know? You're just struggling to wrap your faith around it? If someone had sat down with him and said, has God told you anything you need to know? Number three, am I, let me ask this question to myself, am I judging this problem on the basis of my abilities or on the basis of God's abilities? And number four, could we be honest, honest with how emotional we are in seeing this situation right now? Remember, emotions carry us somewhere. Uh, people who win against fear, people who are successful at fighting giants, are people who stop, number one, being impressed with giants. Number two, start being impressed with God. Speak what God has said and distrust their own emotions while they're doing it. What would you try if you knew it was going to be worth it, whether or not you succeeded or failed? I'm telling you, it might be that that's where your passion is. It might be that that's where God wants to use you. It might be that you need to face your giant and say, I can make a difference through the power of God. Uh, I'm going to end with this. There is, and I put a larger section of this in the notes that's available. Um, But I read this from Michael Gerson, who is a former presidential speech writer, who is also an ordained minister. He delivered a sermon at Washington National Cathedral, which if you've never been to, I encourage going to. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility um, in um, the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, He was preaching there, and he was telling his own story of how uh, he had fought just a really crippling battle with depression and how he had he had struggled with it and it is one of the i would say most painful parts of modern life i don't know if people in times past were as depressed as modern times i don't think so i don't think they had time to be I think they didn't have time to think it through. They just had to go back and make sure they had enough potatoes for winter. I don't know. Um, But uh, all of us, it's different for us. We struggle in this modern life with insidious and chronic disease called depression. It's a malfunction of the physical brain that we use to determine reality. And that brain develops this imbalance and since you experience that brain as you and you experience that brain as personality you deal with your pain by weaving a story around it every day of our life we weave stories around ourselves we try to find meaning at why we went through what we went through. We try to find meaning in what we experienced and what we survived. And I want to say this to all of you, but particularly to our younger, younger adults. The sooner you can learn to weave stories of faith into your being and into your existence, the healthier your walk with God is going to be. But if you... But if you fall into the habit of weaving a story 
that is a lot of things you don't know for sure anyway. They don't like me. I've never had a chance. That was not going to work out. This went wrong. I was doomed from the beginning. If you, I'm just creating some silly ones for your listening pleasure. But I want you to see, if you start weaving the story of fear, you will be the product. And you will not see your life as it is. You will see it as you are. You will not see your setbacks authentically. You'll see them as you have weaved your interpretation of uh, life. But the result of this, in many cases, uh, uh, turns into really soul-breaking, soul-destroying depression. And we uh, look around, and the most common response we have to depression is a type of practical nihilism. Nihilism is a fancy philosophical term that means this. I don't believe in anything. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. You just got to get through one foot in front of the other or not. So why not party till the end? Why not try this? Why not do that? It doesn't mean anything. The person fighting depression begins to fight this, this soul-destroying battle with a practical nihilism. And then we look at trouble and we use that as nihilism confirmation. And we do ourselves no favor because the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. You might as well see the rain as it is, not as you is. You say, why you talk like that? I went to Geringer. That's why I talk like that. Sorry. I went there. The rule is you get to pick on your own people. You don't get to pick on other people. <laughs> so, <laughs> he wrote this. The answer to this. Again, this is uh, Michael Gerson uh, saying this. At the end of all our striving and longing, we find not a force, but a face. God's promise is somewhat different. He's talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not a formulaic religion, not a system, a debating society, not even a mythical or spiritual abracadabra. We find a face. We find a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of all our striving and longing, we find not a force, but a face. God's promise is somewhat different, that even when strength fails, there is perseverance. And even when perseverance fails, there is hope. And even when hope fails, there is love. And love never fails. You can read a story for himself. Uh, it's in your notes. It was in the Washington Post uh, a couple years ago. Um, I... I want us all to address this central issue. If I see my problems only with my perspective, I'm not seeing the bigger picture, and I desperately, desperately need the bigger picture. If you see your fears only as you are, you're not seeing the bigger picture, and honey, you desperately, desperately need the bigger picture. If you see your setbacks only as you experience them, you need the bigger picture and you're not seeing the bigger picture you know what i'm praying for i'm praying for a revival of true apostolic faith among this house in this place where we never mm, grant it lord jesus 
by your name I pray grant it Lord Jesus stand with me all across the house I pray we never face the fear of our circumstance without reminding ourselves of the promise that God has given to us some of you need to claim this in your life some of you need to stand upon the word of God and say, I have seen everything through my own vision. Now I'm going to start speaking the name of Jesus over everything that I'm facing. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, you see all of us in this place. You see every need that's manifest here today. I am desiring so much that it begins in me, oh God. I am hungry so much that this begins in me. That I don't simply see with my own perceptive insight. But I'm able to see with your perspective. I'm able to see not just the intimidation and the intimidating nature of my enemy. My spiritual opposite. But Lord Jesus, I want to see through the promises of God. You have not sent us alone into this world but you are with us and by your authority and by your power we are more than conquerors through the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ and let somebody say amen in this hour oh lift your hands right now and praise them all across this place we exalt you today God. we magnify your name today Lord Jesus hallelujah 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 Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One more time, I want to give you a chance to pray before we go our different directions. If you'd like to step out of the pew you're in and come down to the front, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to be a, pray a specific prayer wherever you are, speak someone's name, stand in the gap, I want you to feel free to do that right where you are. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we hope you uh, weren't too uncomfortable with us today. You're welcome to be dismissed at any time. Our worship team's going to take us a little deeper, and we're going to bask in the presence of God here together before we rush out into our different parts of the city. God bless you all. We love you. Remember, lesson one, first steps in just a few minutes across the parking lot. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.